Battlefield 2042 has been a horrible mess so far, but EA isn't giving up. Should it? Good morning. Good Friday morning to you. The weekend is here. I'm Shane Satterfield from Sifted, and this is Good Morning Gaming for March 4th, 2022. The show is in our podcast feeds bright and early every weekday morning and free on our YouTube channel for everyone else. You can find our flagship show, Game Face, by searching your favorite podcast service. You'll find the podcast versions of the rest of our content in the same feed. You found this. Today, the developers of Battlefield 2042, DICE, revealed massive changes to the shooter's map design. It acknowledged that the maps are just way too big, and not only will future maps be smaller, it's reworking some maps and identified several changes and tweaks to make them more engaging. First, it says that it needs to create more distance between heavy heat areas of the map, to keep melees to a minimum. Second, DICE says that some people have described it as a walking simulator because of the distance between objectives, so it wants to shorten them or provide more vehicles. I know I've felt that way about Battlefield for years now. Run two miles, get sniped, do it all over again. If you don't have a vehicle, it's a total drag. Third, DICE is looking to add more cover and obstacles so snipers don't have so much line of sight. DICE also wants to make the pathways between objectives more obvious so it can manage choke points better. And finally, it floated the idea of cutting the max player count from 128 down to 64. So I'll say this, I do admire that EA and DICE aren't giving up on the game. I don't think anyone would blame them if they did. And actually, they're really kind of going all in to save it. But listen to these numbers. According to Steam Charts, the average player count for Battlefield 2042 at launch back in November was 51,000. That's not great for a franchise that has a huge fan base on PC, but it's respectable. By mid-February, it had dropped to just 4,000. That's a drop of 78%. Now, if the game had a dedicated user base, say it retained 20,000 players... I might consider it worth saving, but how do you bring those people back? I mean, they're the most hardcore fans of your franchise, and it's one of the lowest reviewed games on Steam ever. Those reviews were written by your biggest fans. How do you bring new players on board after all the negative press available online? If you do a quick search for the game, all the headlines say it's terrible, one after another after another. If EA and DICE are truly dedicated to its longevity, it might be time to just change it to free-to-play. I can't think of anything else that they could do that would draw enough interest to keep it alive. And now for a couple more stories from the top of your sifts. Platinum Games' first ever game-as-a-service, Babylon's Fall, is out now for PlayStation and PC. Here's the rub. There are no reviews for the game yet. We got it the same time that you guys did. And I don't know how long you've been following the games industry, but typically, that's not a good sign. So far, the numbers seem to bear that out. It's release day, and the game has peaked at fewer than 650 concurrent players on Steam. 6-5-0. People aren't playing or watching Platinum's new game. I blame it on Square Enix. 
The marketing for the game has been terrible. So the game was debuted with a trailer. We didn't hear anything else about it for a really long time. And then when we did, it was like a gameplay trailer. And then two months later, we just get this big dump of media that was overwhelming. And people aren't going to watch a video a day on the same game. They just don't. I have the data to back that up on Sifted. If you release media for your game too rapidly, people start to tune out. And so I feel the marketing plan was flawed. I feel like the game hasn't looked great. I feel like Platinum fans may be turned off by the idea that it's a game as a service and not a single-player focused action adventure, which is what the studio is known for. Things aren't looking good, but it is out for PlayStation and PC right now. Kirby and the Forgotten Land got a free demo on Switch today. You can take on three different stages, including a boss stage. You can also play it cooperatively with a friend. If you complete the demo, you'll get a present code, which can be redeemed for some in-game items in the full version of the game. Due to the demo's a la carte design, your save will not carry over to the final game, though. Kirby's next game launches March 25th. Obviously, it's exclusive to Switch, and I highly recommend that you check out this demo. It's a 3D platformer. It's the first 3D platformer starring Kirby. And so the game's a little bit risky. You might as well get a taste test first. The first sales figures for Elden Ring came in. Well, kinda. They're the UK digital charts, which aren't always a one-to-one -one representation of MPD charts because obviously they don't include physical games. But they're a pretty good barometer. And so far, Elden Ring is doing very, very well. It is the biggest non-FIFA or Call of Duty launch since Red Dead Redemption 2. That is, particularly in Europe, that is some illustrious company. In Japan, it sold 278,000 copies between both the PS4 and PS5 versions. That may not seem like a lot, but we're going to talk about the Japanese market here in a minute. And that's real good. <laughs> Very few games launch with those kind of sales. So it looks like from software and Bandai Namco are doing very well with their newest action RPG. Speaking of RPGs, well, this one's a strategy RPG with a stupid name, Triangle Strategy. The brand new Switch exclusive strategy RPG from Square Enix is sitting at an 83 Metacritic. However, if you kind of scan over the reviews, the verbiage in those reviews seems a lot more positive than an 83. There's a lot of praise for the game's story. Critics say that it's choice-driven and it leads to meaningful consequences, which doesn't happen enough in RPGs where you have some choice over the direction of the story. Should also give the game some replay value if you want to play through it again and see if you make different choices what happens. It's also been compared to classics like Final Fantasy Tactics and Tactics Ogre, and that is some excellent company. It's the same developer that created Octopath Traveler, but again, it's a strategy RPG and not just a turn-based RPG. Games like this are great on a handheld, though. So if you're a Switch owner who spends most of their time lugging their Switch around when you commute or travel, it's probably worth checking out. Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War is bringing back a fan-favorite multiplayer map. Yes, you heard that right. Black Ops Cold War, not the more recent Call of Duty Vanguard. The new map... WMD is one of the most popular maps from the very first Call of Duty Black Ops and a personal favorite of mine. The Vargo 52 Assault Rifle is also being released and it will be playable in both multiplayer and zombies. Personally, 
I'm hoping for more updates to Cold War. And since Treyarch's game for next year has been delayed, it's entirely possible that we'll get more updates. I enjoy playing it far more than Vanguard. Happy hunting. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll tackle today's boss fight. Welcome to today's boss fight, where I tackle random topics that may or may not be related to video games. Today, Japanese publication Famitsu, on the 20th anniversary of the Xbox launch in Japan, shared sales figures for Xbox hardware in the territory for the entire time it's been available. And Microsoft has sold just 2.3 million consoles in Japan in those 20 years. The vast majority... <laughs> oh man, that's so bad. The vast majority are Xbox 360s. For whatever reason, that console actually caught on a little bit in Japan. Xbox Series has already passed Xbox One despite the console shortages, which is a pleasant surprise, I would say. Here are the sales breakdowns for each Xbox that's been released in Japan. The original Xbox sold 475,000 units. Xbox 360 sold 1.6 million units. Xbox One sold 115,000 units. And Xbox Series X slash S is at 142,000 units. That's pretty good. I'm pleasantly surprised by that number. As far as software is concerned, the top selling games on Xbox across all 20 years, number one, Dead or Alive 3, no surprise there, 271,000 copies. Star Ocean 4, The Last Hope, comes in at second, at 208,000. Tales of Vesperia for Xbox 360 comes in at 204,000. Blue Dragon, which was the exclusive that Microsoft signed with Sakaguchi for the very purpose of making the 360 successful in Japan, it sold 203,000 units. And then finally, The Last Remnant at 154,000. And again, other than Dead or Alive 3, the other four games were all for Xbox 360. Maybe Xbox Series is off to a better start because for the first time in Xbox history, Microsoft launched both the Series X and S in Japan on the same day as the console's Western launch. Maybe the marketing and the hoopla got them a little bump out of the gate there. But truthfully, the Japanese market has almost become irrelevant. Sales are so low across the board. Even the Switch, which by all accounts is just dominating the market there, has only sold 20 million units. The PlayStation 5 just crossed 1 million units in Japan. So there's definitely some vanity for a Western company to succeed there, but pride doesn't pay the bills. The console market there is just anemic compared to the glory days and certainly compared to the US and Europe. The thing is, mobile is so big in Japan, and Game Pass obviously works on mobile. So Microsoft may have accidentally stumbled upon a big market there, but as I like to say, hard work generates luck. 
and Microsoft never gave up on Japan. And so through its perseverance, it may have actually finally found something that will work in the territory. If Microsoft's entire plan was just to release hardware there and sell packaged games or digital games, I would say it needs to get out of there right away. The numbers don't lie. I mean, those numbers are pathetic. 2.3 million consoles in 20 years. Never had a piece of software sell over 300,000 units, even back when Japan's console market was booming. So if Microsoft's plan is to try and do that, it's, it's just flushing money down the toilet. But Microsoft's smart and certainly smarter than I am. And so if I figured out that it may have found a way in with Game Pass, it has most certainly figured that out by now. So while Xbox consoles have been a miserable failure in Japan, and there's no other way to put it, Game Pass may just have a place there. And if it does, all the years of wasting time and resources could pay off. Thanks for listening to Good Morning Gaming. I hope every single one of you has an amazing weekend. I'm Shane Satterfield, and you can do what the cool kids do and follow me on Twitter at Dinfire, and then follow Sifted at Sifted Games. If you like what we're doing, head to patreon.com sifted and drop us a pledge. We'll be back with another episode on Monday, but until then, make sure you seize this weekend, because there will never be another. Another.